All right, we've got two scriptures today, so I'm going to call Tucker and Steph up here, and one of our scriptures is from John 20, and whenever we read from the Gospels, we like to stand together. It's our way of rising to greet our King and to hear the living Word of God being spoken to us. So we'll hear from Tucker, John chapter 20, and then Steph will follow that up with Acts chapter 1. That Sunday evening, the disciples were meeting behind locked doors because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. Suddenly, Jesus was standing there among them. Peace be with you, he said. As he spoke, he showed them the wounds in his hands and his side. They were filled with joy when they saw the Lord. Again, he said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. Then he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, they are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. The Gospel of the Lord. a reading from Acts chapter 1 verses 4 through 8. Once when he was eating with them he commanded them do not leave Jerusalem until the father sends you the gift he promised as I told you before. John baptized with water but in just a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So when the apostles were with Jesus they kept asking him Lord has the time come for you to free Israel and restore your kingdom? He replied, The Father alone has the authority to set those times and dates, and they are not for you to know. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Steph. Thanks, Tucker. You may be seated. And as you're seated, we're just going to begin this morning with an imaginative guided movement. And so I'll invite you just to perhaps close your eyes and settle in. And using the gift of your imagination, see yourself sitting down at a big, long table, a meal in front of you. And to your left and your right are other Jesus followers. It's perhaps not that unlike what happened at parish night or at the family picnic. And so you're sitting there around a meal. As you sit, invite to whatever struggles challenges are with you in your current life. Bring them with you into your imagination. What are you hopeful about? And what is raw inside of you? Is there sadness or disappointment or anxiety? And some of us bring to this table a long struggle with physical or mental health. Some of us are lonely. Some of us sit down to the table unsure how we're going to pay the bills. Some of us are just really tired.
And so you sense the uncertainty of others all around. You sense the raw energy and the nerves. And then Jesus walks in. Imagine him joining the meal. He pulls up a chair. He sits. And as he sits, he takes a long, rich, deep exhale. And he says, peace. Peace be with you. One of the other disciples speaks up and he says, Jesus, how, how can we have peace? We don't understand what you're doing. We don't know when our hopes will come true. We don't know what can we count on in a moment like this. And Jesus replies, making sense of the times and days is above your pay grade friends, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And as you stay in your imagination, pay attention to your own heart now, and I want to encourage you to really meditate on those words, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And ask yourself where you need fresh power today from God, fresh strength, fresh hope. And hold that in one hand and maybe in the other hand. Ask yourself if there are any lesser loves or lesser things that you've been looking to for power. What are you hoping and trusting will save the day for you? Is it your hard work? An expectation you've placed on someone else? Is it the government, the church? Where are you seeking to receive the power that can only come from the Holy Spirit? And so, Jesus, we bring with us this morning our challenges and our struggles and our, our disordered desires to see our kingdom come as soon as possible. And we trust instead in the gift of the Holy Spirit to give us all we need. All this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, this morning we're going to just bounce around a little bit more than usual, and I just want to reflect on a few of the sentences and phrases that came up in our scripture reading. So we'll just move through a couple of vignettes in this time um, and uh, pull them apart to enter in. As I mentioned at the top, we're in the season after Pentecost. We're reflecting on the empowering and the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Uh, with us, and we've spent the last year walking through 
what we've called a big enough story, the story of God from Genesis 1 to Revelation 22 and where we find ourselves in it. We've walked through these five acts of God's big story, and we're in Act 5 right now, this idea that God is moving the world toward recreation. All that God created is now being recreated into arrays of healing and wholeness and redemption, and we trust that in the end all will be well. And as we move toward uh, the beginning of this new ministry, year. We've got about four or five weeks left in this big story. We'll end it in Revelation 22, and we'll tie a bow around the way that we know the story will end. But as we find ourselves in the somewhere in between part of Act 5, we know that the Holy Spirit has been given at Pentecost, but we don't know what it looks like from today until that day of Revelation 22. And we find ourselves in the midst of the story of Act 5, trying to cooperate with God toward the recreation of the world. And so, let's start with this. Jesus says, as the Father sent me, so I send you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. And uh, I notice that Act 1 of the story starts with this idea that all is void. You know, Genesis 1, there's this void blackness, all is dark, and then God's spirit descends like a dove and speaks a word of blessing and says, let there be light. Act four of the story starts in the exact same way. Jesus is baptized and the dove descends on him and they speaks a word of blessing saying, you are my child with you. I am well pleased. And it's both a revelation of who Jesus is, that he is God's child, it's also an empowerment, an anointing for the work that is ahead of Jesus. And then Jesus lives and he dies. And when he dies, it says that he bowed his head and he gave up his spirit. And I wonder if we could think about that in connection to Pentecost. Because Jesus gives up his spirit and it is just days later that his spirit is given, is picked up, by the church. The spirit that is laid down on the cross is picked up and given to the church, and then the church is extended into the event that began Jesus' ministry. We too have a dove descend on us and speak a word of blessing, right? We too are caught up in this idea that we are God's children. We too are anointed and empowered for the work that is ahead. And Jesus says, just like I was sent into the world, now you are being sent into the world, and you will receive power, and you will be my witnesses. We've been talking about the ways that the Holy Spirit restores and restories us on the inside, but now Jesus is going to send us out into our neighborhood, into our workplaces, into our families, into our relationships, and he does it in the same manner that he was sent. And so for just a minute, I want to do a little experiment together, and I'm going to ask you to talk back to me a little bit. Uh, and so what I want to ask you is this, as you think about the way Jesus showed up in the world, what strikes you? What about Jesus' posture? What about his manner of being, his way of being sticks out to you? How was Jesus in the world? Dependence. Dependence. Yeah. Love. Empathetic. Empathetic. Alongside, yeah, good. Humility. Humility. Relational. Relational. Being a servant. A servant. 
What's that? Sorry. Humbly. <laughs> Thank you, John. Yeah. So let's go with that. Jesus, the humble servant, alongside us, relational, dependent upon God. In the first service, Nicole offered that Jesus asked a lot of questions. Jesus says, in the same manner the Father sent me, that's how I send you into the world. What does it look like to show up into your world, the world God has given you, as one dependent upon God, as one walking alongside others, as one who is relational, as one who is sacrificial, as one who asks a lot of questions, as one who is just with others, pointing to God? It is in that posture, it is in that manner that you have been sent into the world. And then this, Acts 1, chapter, uh, chapter 1, verse 7, uh, Jesus says, uh, in response to the disciples' question, they're like, Lord, has the time come for you to restore, notice, our kingdom? Our kingdom, not, not your kingdom, our kingdom. <laughs> and he replies, the Father alone has authority to set those dates and times, and they are not for you. To know, I once heard our friend Keith Jennings distinguish between uh, closed stories and open narratives. If you do not subscribe to Keith Jennings' newsletter, you should, because you get ideas like closed uh, stories and open narratives. And the example that Keith gives is the Apollo moon landing, right? Most of us, most of us believe that we landed on the moon, right? And uh, <laughs> that there was a day that Neil Armstrong stepped out of a space shuttle or whatever and walked on the moon <laughs> or whatever. Uh, <laughs> but that event is not still happening. It happened. And it had a big, long story before it. He didn't just get there, right? He was sent there. But it is not an ongoing thing. In that sense, it is a closed story. It's something that happened. But the impulse, the broader impulse, to continue exploring deep space, to continue adventuring, to continue going into the unknown, to discover more about the world, that spirit is very much still alive. It's in play. We see it all around us. Some of us are captivated by it. What does it look like to go on a hike, to explore, or uh, you know, whatever the case may be? That is in, therefore, an open narrative. It is rooted in all the history and the stories that came before, including Neil Armstrong stepping on the moon, but it still has more to be told. The story is not finished. It is not written yet, and in that sense, we have an opportunity to get in on it. We can get in on that narrative. We can participate in it. We can impact its outcome and its trajectory. And that's what we mean when we talk about a big enough story. We're sitting here in Act 5 of the story with the idea that the Holy Spirit that was given to the church is still being given to the church, and the church is still in the process of playing out how do we cooperate with God in order to prepare the world for the way God wants it to be when the, the telos, the end, will come, right? And so we have an opportunity to be a part of this. We have an opportunity to work out God's way of being in the world, that we are sent as Jesus was sent, and we have to work a lot of that out on the fly. What that means is that how you and I live matters. It actually impacts the story. 
We have a way of showing up to the story that's going to change its outcome and its trajectory. We often think that scripture is just the thing that happened back then. It is a closed story. No, I want us to see that we're invited into an open narrative. There is more of the story to be told. And I think that actually makes us uncomfortable. Because it's easier to say, well, Paul told me, dot, 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 or, well, Luther said, dot, 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 than it is to say, Holy Spirit, what are you telling me right now for this situation in my life? Where are you guiding me? But as great as the contributions of, you know, St. Teresa and Augustine and Wesley and many others were, they cannot answer every question that is in front of us right now because some of the questions in front of us right now were just never in front of them. And we have an opportunity to practice being daily practical theologians in our world, which means we have to figure out on the fly what is God doing in this unique new situation, the contemporary moment in front of us, and how do I get sent into that in the manner that Jesus was sent into the world? And so we do this by looking back on the story why we got to be rooted in the story and we look back to notice the God and and that we see and know and how God is what God is like and then we work out with fear and trembling what it means to be sent into our contemporary challenges in the way Jesus was sent by the Father and there are issues that are political or cultural or theological or relational or spiritual that we simply don't know exactly how we are to show up to them. It's not all in writing as a closed story. And we find ourselves in this open narrative going, how am I to faithfully respond? This is where Jesus says, the Holy Spirit will lead you into all truth. And we have to get to know what does it look like to discern in these moments that are simply not as clearly resolved as we would like them to be. They're in a long process of playing out. Might be that they take a thousand years to play out, but there are process to speak into. We have been born into the moment to speak into these things. And if you only read Twitter, you will come away with the conclusion that the times we live in are just a mess. And there's some truth in that, right? But Jesus says, don't worry about the times. The times aren't your business. Your business is to be sent as one in the way that I was sent, showing up to what does it mean to tap into the heartbeat of what we know about Jesus and apply that faithfully to the moment and the situations we find ourselves in. And so we work out on the fly the scenes of this big story. Now, don't get me wrong. We don't do that by just making up whatever we want. We are rooted in a story that has deep roots. We see and hear from God in scripture. We stand on a great tradition. We have mothers and fathers who have come before us. We humbly listen to others. But most of all, we listen to the only one Jesus said will guide us into all truth, which is the Holy Spirit, which is a lived relationship. But it's not just an individual experience. I think we go astray when we do that, right? Instead, we remember the Holy Spirit is given to a community. And so we discern the Holy Spirit, not just in our own prayer closet, but by then coming into community with what we sense the Holy Spirit is saying and testing that amidst the the relationships that God has given. This is why it's important to have community. But I want to give us this question that if God really does intend to redeem rather than reject his creation, what's it look like to lean into that?
in the here and now? What's it look like for us to anticipate God's final intention for the world and to begin mimicking that right now in our part of the story? All right, last thing, Acts 1, chapter, uh, verse 8. Jesus says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere. And I want to just reflect on the first thing that happens to them practically after hearing this. You know, they wait, and then the day of Pentecost happens, and the Spirit is given. And what is the practical first thing that happens when the Spirit is given? They start speaking in other tongues, right? It's like, what, what do we do with that? <laughs> I want to pull away two things we can do with that, among many others. We could have lots of, lots of sermons on that one, right? But they speak in tongues, and the first thing that it is, is it's a miracle of speaking. And I want to say that we need new miracles of speaking, yeah. right? The church in the day of Pentecost suddenly has an ability to communicate to those who could not understand previously. And what they speak of is God's wonders in a way that others can understand. And often when we tell God's story, we do it in a way that our neighbors don't know and honestly don't care to know. What is the dialect my coworkers speak? What is the translation that needs to be made for the sake of my neighbors? And how do I speak about God's wonders, not in church talk, but maybe one way forward would be to think about what N.T. Wright calls the echoes of a voice. That all of us, Christian or not, have a deep hunger in our hearts for beauty and creativity, for justice, for spirituality, for meaningful relationships. That's a language everyone has like in their bones. It echoes to them. It's the echoes of that Genesis voice that will be fulfilled in Revelation. How do we talk about that? In other words, what if I saw Pentecost not merely as an opportunity to have one more personal deep-end experience with the Holy Spirit, but rather to enter into the experiences of others? What if it's not just about my experience, but about others' experiences, and how do I ask God's Spirit to help me speak in other tongues, so to speak, right? And then, we need a new miracle of hearing. Uh, is anybody else already worried about the next election? <laughs> I mean, can we do it different this time? Amen. Like, we, we need to hear one another. How do we listen to those who have experiences different than our own? Yeah. Ignoring others is a subtle form of dehumanization, and dehumanization leads to violence, which almost always begets more violence. And we've been in that feedback loop for a long time as a culture, and it is the church that should lead the way in a speaking a better word about how do we relate to one another. How do we hear one another? Violence never moves the story forward for those who were back here way when we talked about Genesis 3 and 4, right? The feedback loop that we're talking about, that dehumanizing, ever-exponential, escalating cycle of violence, that's Cain stuff, that's Lamech stuff, that's Tower of Babel stuff, right? It is, the Tower of Babel conclusion is, I can only build a society in, as long as everyone thinks and speaks exactly like I do. But at Pentecost, Pentecost is anti-Babel. Jesus gathers a community in which there is great diversity yet profound unity. 
and that's part of the gift. I don't have to build a tower based on everyone speaking just like I do. There is a way to hear one another, hear those with different experiences. And so we need a spirit miracle to hear people on the other side of the aisle and the other side of the argument. And, and those of us who are parents, we need spirit miracles to hear our kids, for our kids to hear us some days. And those of us who are in relationship with with friends or perhaps spouses. We need spirit miracles to hear one another, to get beyond ourselves. And what if that's what it means in part to receive the power of God? Right? That's not the whole story, of course, but what if part of what it means to receive power from God is to learn to speak and hear one another in ways that humanize and help us move the world toward greater wholeness? We are sent into the world in that way. And so Jesus says, finally, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth. We're going to talk more about that in the weeks ahead. Uh, But for now, I want to say this, that the first thing we see happen in the book of Acts when they hear this is really practical changes. The church shows up with changes to the way that people live. It changes how they understand property ownership and what is theirs. changes how they understand their relationship to others changes how they are to respond to need and crisis, changes their relationship with the political powers of the day. And by the way, the hint there is not that they argued with them more or tried to take them over. Instead, they just kept being Jesus followers. Changes how they approach something as basic as a meal. So we are being invited into really practical but really powerful other ways of being in the world through the gift and empowerment of the Holy Spirit. Let's pray together. Jesus, as you gather communities of disciples to bear witness to your story, we want to get in on it. We don't want to read scripture as if it were a closed story. We want to read it as though we are being invited to impact the outcome of your good world in ways that are consistent with how you were sent into the world. Would you help us? We can't do it on our own. We need the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. And may that show up as simply and as practically and as powerfully as hearing and speaking to one another differently. All this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.